I didn't realize Napa Valley uh, was right outside of Flavortown. So, <laughs> well, now you know. Geography lesson mixed in with HBO Hard Knocks. All right, welcome in, everybody. This is the Important Nonsense Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Dr. Dr. Steve Bonham, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Neil Smith, joining me as always. Neil, how are we doing on this fine evening with my brain completely fried? Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> That's about it. That's about how I'm doing. Uh, I got to tell you, the uh, there's no intro, folks. This is it. We've both You're talking to two guys who've both come off 12-hour days. I, I, I got to tell you. So <laughs> this is going to get punchy quickly. Yeah, uh, it's going to fly off the rails pretty much because there were no rails. They were never assembled. Uh, we kind of just been driving on the sidewalk, mowing people down for three years now. So we're just going to continue to do that because I feel like it works pretty well for us. It's been it's worked to this point. That's all I'll say. It's got us this far. <laughs> He's already dead. I mean, we could go further, but... I mean, I like it here. This is the wheelhouse. I feel like we're in our comfort zone. It's, good it's really our lane. Groove. It's exactly. our lane. It's, we know what we're kind of carved here. it out. Oh, man. So news this week. Uh, we're updating the Zeke holdout. Of course, he is now in Mexico, as we mentioned before. It is past August 6th. Didn't show for training camp. He's now saying he will not play in 2019 without a new contract. Ah. We had this discussion all last year with Le'Veon Bell. How much does it scare you in your draft room if you have to draft soonish? And how much are you really considering it in your rankings going forward? Because I feel like we've talked about this before where the Cowboys are kind of pigeonholed. Yeah, the he's the straw that stirs the drink that allows that offense. He's the whole basis for why I have the Cowboys ranked they do. So if he goes out crash all the cowboys back down to earth because there's no backup plan and jerry jones you know updating from last week did come out and say they have three offers on the table one to each guy so we'll see how that works out fortunately it's still of course dak amari cooper and zeke yes good clarification but yeah i just like how you go to you go to mexico to work out because you know you won't have any tequila at all none 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 at all yeah, I feel like with uh, with Zeke, the, the big thing is what we were talking about with uh, the Charger situation and Melvin Gordon, the fact that they have Eckler, they have Jackson, they have guys that have stepped in and have looked competent in that offense. They're not forced to pay a ton of money to Melvin Gordon to keep him around. The Cowboys have nothing. And if Zeke goes, they are in horrible shape without him. So they're not going to trade him. They have really no bargaining position. Whereas the Chargers can say, go ahead, stay home. We don't care because we have other options. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it means a lot more to that point when Zeke says, hey, I just won't play. And you find me if you need to. And then we'll just we'll figure it out as we figure it out. But I think they're, and they're... as you mentioned, too, I mean, the DAC thing, I think, is the biggest part of it. They want to pay Dak. They want to make sure that he's locked in as their long-term QB. And until he signs on the dotted line, you can't allocate a large amount of money to Zeke. No, not just yet. You got to get the exactly. That deal has to come first because you're kind of bu- building your whole franchise, obviously, around your quarterback. So that whole situation has to get resolved. But Zeke does have a decent amount of leverage in this case. So because of just how what they re-signed Jason Witten, Steve. We talked about it last week. I mean, they're grasping at straws. And as I as I pointed out last week and well again here, you know, Jerry Jones is incentivized. He wants to win a Super Bowl. Like it's it, he's gotta prove Jimmy Johnson wrong. It's like his last bucket list item. I mean, it's a it's a complete it's a complete and total thing. So I think this will get resolved. You mentioned as far as rankings go, I haven't adjusted it, but that's we're still a few weeks out on that. So we'll right. We'll have this conversation again uh, when we get to uh, week three preseason for the final rankings adjustment. And that will be when you might see some movement because then the risk gets a little bit more dicey as we're, if we're, you're one week away at that point. So Melvin Gordon requesting a trade. That's, that was the other topic that we have on the, for the news here, Stephen. I was curious to get your thoughts on this. See, I don't think he has, as you kind of brought up, I don't think he has the leverage. I don't think it matters. He can request trades all he wants. 
it's either show up or don't and we'll find you and we'll just roll with these guys and then we'll sign a veteran if we have to you know i feel like that's am i wrong am i crazy yeah i think you're a little bit crazy there the reason i think he has he has more leverage getting a trade than zeke does because like i said the cowboys have no other option so they kind of need Zeke more than anything. So Zeke has the leverage where they have to pay him. Whereas he can't really say, I want to leave because, no, we need you. We have to have you. For the Chargers, why are they going to pay Melvin Gordon? Because they have two guys there. So when he says, I want to trade, they can say, okay, what's my best offer? Because he's in a contract year. So if he sits out this season theoretically, right? Mm-hmm, and sure. if he doesn't play for them at all, or if he does play this season and just walks, then they come away with nothing. They still have Eckler and Jackson, but they come away with nothing. He just leaves for free. So if I'm the Chargers and he's already saying he's disgruntled and wants to go, then ship him somewhere, bring back picks slash players, that you want and need to build for the future and just move on if that's going to be the case. I feel like he has more leverage to get a trade done than he does to get signed. That's fair. I suppose that's fair. It's just the hard part that I come back to then is finding a trade partner. And this has been the darling topic of the important nonsense writers chat for the group writers. And uh, this has been the topic of conversation is trying to GM melvin gordon to different teams and that has that is the sticking point though there which is why it's like i feel like again you can re- yeah, it takes two to tango the conclusion so can... we kind of came to is it's either houston or miami yeah and it seems like that's your best those bets. are the teams with the money those are the teams with the biggest need uh miami mostly because they don't believe in Kenyon drake they've made that painfully clear yeah. uh kaylin balaj cannot handle the workload on his own he made that painfully clear last yes. year at the end of the season so it, it at this point, it's a timeshare in Miami. If they feel like a change of scenery for Drake is what he needs and they want to package Kenyon Drake and a pick or two to the Chargers to get Melvin Gordon and then lock him up in a long-term deal, done. Perfect. I think everybody wins there. They get, you know, Chargers get picks back. They get Kenyon Drake, who doesn't have to be the guy because they have Eckler to spell him as well, well puts him Jackson, in a better offense, better Jackson's situation. Well, they seem to like. Yep. Uh, and then for know. Gordon, he gets his money and he's the man. So everybody wins. And then Houston, terrible line, but great offense, as we've talked about, great weapons, good young quarterback. Uh, you know, he's a good pass catcher. So that would work well with what they're trying to do and ease pressure off of uh, Watson back there. So they also have a ton of money right now that they can utilize to to go make that happen. And the the biggest issue for them is they don't have a GM. So <laughs> makes it kind of difficult to get it anything. Does, it does make it very problematic to actually interact with other teams when you don't have somebody to make those phone calls. Uh, so as far as rankings go, um, I, I haven't seen you drop Melvin Gordon just yet. So I figure we'll give the same PSA that we gave for Zeke, which is check back for the week three final True, update. Yeah. Tread and cautiously, but I'm yeah. But if you have at to this draft point, they're still top guys. I mean, yeah, they're still so. elite talents at their position. And even if Melvin Gordon got traded to, well, if he got traded to the Texans, that would be really interesting. I don't know. I'd be quite the, quite the conundrum to rank him to Miami. That'd be, that'd be also interesting, but it would also throw a little bit of cold water on it. Cause they're just going to be bad. So that's that's just going to be that that might he might be able to have a situation where he uh, is able to overcome that, but I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Theo Riddick was cut by Detroit and then signed with the Broncos. I mean, this comes on the back of a really weird week in Denver about you know Philip Lindsay, a guy who we both really like, had a great year last year. The wrist surgery in the off season. And now they they came out and said that they're really trying to work Royce Freeman in to make it more of a timeshare than it was last season, give Freeman a real shot at the job. And now they bring in Theo Riddick, another pass catching back, basically to do the job that Philip Lindsay is already doing. So, I mean, it, it makes me extremely nervous with how high I have Philip Lindsay, and I feel like I'm going to have to back off. That's interesting. I, uh, 
I have a slightly different take out here living in Bronco country. And I think it's much more about Devontae Booker, who is still on the Broncos and has come to camp again, not looking great. And I think they're just finally kind of over that. And I think the general consensus from, from their side is, well, we need to have a third guy because the two guys that we have are not exactly the pictures of durability. So I don't think Theo Riddick is uh, in line to take away a significant amount of work from either Royce Freeman or, or Philip Lindsay. I think it's more, we got a, we got a guy here now who we, we can, he can do the Devonte Booker things. He can catch passes when we need him to. Cause Philip Lindsay didn't exactly, you know, people want to create the narrative that he was the, you know, pure third down back. And he did do that a little bit, but when Freeman got out, was out, he was the one, two guy and they put Devonte Booker back in. So it feels like there's going to be a little bit of a remnant of that type of idea going on. I think that's why they bring Theo Riddick in. And frankly, Steve, uh, you know, my new stance on Theo Riddick in the sense that, uh, uh, he, he, he destroyed me last year. He, uh, I can't. I can't endorse. Uh, can't endorse owning Theo Riddick ever again. Oh, but, I'm uh, not endorsing it at all. I'm just saying it's another mouth to feed in the backfield that just kind of muddies up what they're already doing. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not as concerned about it clearly as you are. It's. I, I think it's more of a depth thing. And I yeah, think I don't know how much it'll drop gonna... him in my ranks, but I know for sure it, it'll move down slightly. That's fair. You'll probably be closer to me because you were ahead of where I was anyway. Uh, right. But yeah, that's. The, I'm. I'm not overly worried about. Uh, about it i it's 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 not really something to panic and clutch your pearls out in my in my opinion enjoy the event because it's not a show i can still see holmgren down there going no yeah okay so the rumor is true we just traded you the best place to be is when expectations are high and it starts with training camp all right hard knocks with the Raiders this year, Neil, week one in the books. What was uh, what was your take? Pretty disappointed to be honest with you. I'm not even going to try and sugarcoat it or dance around it. After the Browns last year, the it, one weekend, this has been a letdown. And I go back to my original hypothesis, which is that it, th- this should not be. This should be next year. We should yeah. be watching Dave Football Gettleman stride around and say ridiculous things. That's that's what we should be watching. And instead, we've got. Well, John Gruden, which is always a highlight, but he walks around with the swagger of a man who makes $10 million a year. So, you know, the, if you've seen it before, it's not different than anything else you've ever seen him do. I'm just, uh, what do you, what, what were your thoughts? I'm just curious. Like, cause I, for me, I left it feeling a little bit underwhelmed, frankly. Well, I went into this season thinking, you know, they've got Derek Carr and they've got Antonio Brown. And then who are going to be the standout personalities outside of that? And I basically walked away from the first episode thinking, yeah, I was right. Like, that's pretty much it. Two-man show. <laughs> um, I know that I absolutely hate Abrams. I know that. And he is going to be the bane <laughs> of my existence the entire season. I can tell you that. Salmon? Is, Salmon Abrams? Yes, yeah, Salmon. He is 100% <laughs> a raider. Like, he is the arrogant, trash-talking, I'm-better-than-you-and-I-know-it Oakland Raiders. Like Knocking that's, people down when they weren't wearing pads. Right, he's lighting people up. Uh, just, oh, man. I think probably my favorite part of the entire episode, my biggest chuckle, was uh, was Luke Wilson calling him youngster. Oh, yeah. When he, when he, got, yeah. When he got knocked down. <laughs> Yeah, I believe he also said something along the lines of, let's see what happens when the pads come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, well. Uh, my biggest takeaway was that a uh, a wine glass with a Raiders logo on it is an oxymoron. It's it's just, it's one, it's, it's a, it, a wine glass is like a symbol for like classy, elegant things. And you put a Raider logo on it and <laughs> it's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Because they showed that prominently that they like had Mark Davis in Wine Country. Yeah, they had Doesn't they had their sense. logos etched onto those wine glasses at that event, and I'm just like, this is the least. I mean, I get that you're near Wine Country, but this is all very confusing. Just everything about what's happening here is is confusing and upsetting to me, frankly. Like it's also still for those of you who maybe have never seen Mark Davis before. Yeah, he pays to get his haircut to look like that. Absolutely, absolutely a thing. 
Um, I mean, th- it was just really, there just wasn't a whole lot. They staged them to go ride horses, which I thought was whatever. And then they spent half the episode proving what a tough guy Gruden is because he cut the last chance you kid on like the first day. Right? I and thought he like, was going to be like the Cinderella like, story of yeah, the season no. that they always build up. And they spent so much time talking about that kid from Last Chance U. And yeah. then he cuts them before the episode's even over. I'm like, well, there goes that. Like, now what are they going to build? HBO's probably pissed. Yeah, they cut him immediately. And then they, this, it's just, uh, it's just really. I loved of... Antonio Brown's kids asking, <laughs> where's Roethlisberger? Yeah, that was. And the answer being Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> Steelers. Uh, My new this... quarterback is Derek Carr. Derek Carter? No, <laughs> Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah. That was, to be fair, that was probably a lot of people's reaction. Like, who? Oh, he's still there. Oh, wow. You're playing with Derek Carter? Oh, <laughs> not that guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-oh. I don't like the sound of that. It just, I don't know. It fell flat. A lot of the supporting cast was not nearly as strong. Yeah, it's just so meh. Well, they they talked to Richie Incognito, and he went to great lengths to not say anything Richie Incognito y, and <laughs> right, and yeah. they they very heavily <laughs> and they made, really made him look like a, whole, yeah here's, here's a yeah. So I thought I that was like kind of disingenuous because I'm like, well, you got the the parts of him where he's acting like a human being, like. But I've read some things recently that I don't know what was going on, but <laughs> that seems to be one of their talking points, and I get it, but. Look, if you're going to try and get me to root for Richie Incognito, I'm really sorry, but I don't know that <laughs> HBO is good at this, but I don't I don't know that that's going to happen. So why bother? And did you know they have Vontez Perfect? Because I mean, that's absolutely a thing that they have, but they only showed him. He didn't say anything. And I was like, that, uh, it's just such, so disappointing to have Vontez Perfect and Richie Incognito and neither one of them say or do anything at all, really. And that was kind of, I was looking forward to, to something like, to some ridiculousness and we're just not getting it. That's why I was hoping yeah, we I mean, it was it. only the first week. So hopefully we'll get more. Hopefully they talk about that frostbite next week. Because yeah. That fit that just came out this week. So remember hard knocks always a week behind. That's absolutely a thing too. They mentioned the feet. They just didn't know why. And now hopefully well, that's that actually, up. that's fair because that's how the news broke originally too, was that he just wasn't practicing with a foot issue was how it was reported originally. And then a week later it came out like, well, he's got this injury because so that's actually, you know, we were going to talk about it in the news and we decided to put it to here, but yeah, it came out that Antonio Brown has extreme frostbite in his feet and <laughs> he got it from a going to France for cryotherapy and did not wear the appropriate, uh, foot protection while doing so Which is the most antonio brown thing i've ever heard yes it really is also i loved the fact that he was having the foot injury and they kept telling him all right take it easy all right we're gonna slow down and take it easy and he's like cool and sprinting <laughs> sprinting diving going all out and gruden's like dude what what are you doing I'm like stop <laughs> stop trying to injure yourself in the preseason <laughs> Just, I love yeah, what he Antonio brown. brown just being like, no, nah, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah, it's, a, it's the most Antonio Brown attitude yeah. I can possibly. It's imagine. quintessential Antonio Brown. It's what you pay him for. But yep, I'm going to yeah, show up in a hot air balloon and do mm-hmm. whatever I want. I'm going to go run on the sideline. And then when the trainer tells me to take it down to like half speed from what I was just doing, I'm going to do it at the exact same speed right in his face. Like that's uh, <laughs> it's it was a lot of that. And yeah, he's out there lighting up the I mean, it's 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 either, it's either maybe he's not that, you know, he's probably pretty hurt, but did you see who what he was doing when they had that super cut of him just torching the Raiders secondary? Because uh-huh. uh, that that was a uh, you could, you know, maybe the Raiders secondary is still going to be really bad. <laughs> just running no, right back. maybe. <laughs> just running right back. <laughs> just running right past him like it's like, wow, he doesn't look hurt at all. Oh wait, it's the Raiders secondary. Never mind. He could do it. He could do it hopping. But to be fair, they do have Guy Fieri, so they did. Yep, he did. He does make an I mean, appearance. They don't even enjoy that properly. I hope he comes back and cooks and does something entertaining. Because I didn't realize Napa Valley uh, was right outside of Flavortown. So, <laughs> well, now you know geography lesson mixed in with HBO Hard Knock. Thank Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri would be a Raiders fan. That's, that's absolutely a thing. <laughs> 
It wouldn't matter it's if you live in California or not. It, it wouldn't oh. matter if you live in California or not. You'd be a Raiders fan. All right, Neil. Are we ready to uh, move on, get some NFC North takes going here? I think it's time. Some I think freezing it's time cold it. takes. I think it's time to break it down. All right, so we're going to kick it off with uh, our hometown, Chicago Bears. QB Mitchell Trubisky currently going ADP 149, QB 20. I've got Mitch at a QB 13. So oh. I, I, I've i got him right outside startable territory. Wow. I also so, have him at QB 13. That's oh, remarkable. Perfect. That is remarkable. My take is, look, the Matt Nagy offense, he was really clicking last year. People seem to forget that for a six-week stretch there, Mitchell Trubisky was a top-five quarterback, and then he missed three games due to an injury. And when he came back, he was still really good, but just wasn't putting up the prolific numbers that he was putting up in the middle of the season. They have a schedule this year that they're going to be able to still put up points. I, I am salivating at the thought of that Kansas City game against that secondary and that team. Oh, Trubisky could just, just put up 100. I mean, that's it's going to be a huge week for them. But look, th- this Bears team is actually good for a change, which is shocking. And Trubisky has looked competent. So the, I feel like if I'm in the back end and I'm waiting forever on a quarterback, if I land Mitchell Trubisky as my starter, I'm not concerned because he's going to put up numbers. I think you and I see that very much the same way then because it's one of those things where I think recency bias plays a huge factor in why people are down on Mitch and why I keep seeing articles about, is Mitchell Trubisky actually good at football? And I'm like, no, I think that's an overreach. I think you could make some arguments about why he can't throw left as well as I'd like him to, to the left side of the field. But saying he's not good is an extreme overreach to him leaving, being beat up and I like another year in the Matt Nagy offense, just like you do, because for once we actually have skill position players for so it's not like it's going to have to just be Mitch Trubisky and the pips out there. They actually have some decent players for a change, which is why it gives me a little bit more confidence that he should be able to hit the projections that uh, that I've outlined for him. All right. And then running back is the hot here in uh, in Chicago. So David Montgomery, the rookie. You have Tariq Cohen. They shipped out Jordan Howard in the offseason. And then uh, you got Mike Davis, who was their big signing this offseason. So it's kind of a three-headed monster, if you will. And we all kind of thought that Tariq Cohen took that job over, especially in PPR. He was the guy you wanted last year. And we figured coming into year two that he would just have a more prominent role. And now... The more and more you look at it, it looks like Montgomery is stealing touches and stealing playing time. Currently, ADP, David Montgomery is going 52 overall, RB24. Cohen at RB27, nine spots later. I have Montgomery slightly ahead at 30, Cohen at 31. I I have him right in the back end just because I don't know who's going to end up as the prominent guy. I enjoy what David Montgomery has done so far and what he did in college, but until I actually see it translated on the field, I'm not willing to reach as high as other people are. And it's entertaining because I actually have it in reverse order. I have Tariq Cohen at RB24 and David Montgomery at RB33 because I have seen Tariq Cohen play football successfully for a very long time and also in that offense. And he's just too prolific of a weapon to keep him completely, you know, boxed sideline. I just don't view that as reality. I think David Montgomery is a nice player and I've got him ranked a little bit lower, but that's the big thing. I can't get on board with people drafting it in reverse order, like how it's currently setting up. So, um, sounds like you more, you were more, you were more kind of right in the middle where you just kind of like had to hedge it either way. Yeah. I kind of just hedged it and figured if I get to the 30 point and I'm, I have the opportunity to take both, or I'm sorry, like either one, you know what I mean? I'd rather have the rookie just because the upside is there. But, I mean, I feel like they're basically the same player at this point in my mind, so I kind of just kept them in the same spot. That makes sense. 
So it sounds like depending on how you want to approach it in your draft, it's either kind of push them together <laughs> more or less because it's a little bit hard to pick apart. Or if you're somebody who likes to live with risk, then go with current ADPs that are consensus. But honestly, I, I tend to go against that. And uh, I think Tariq Cohen is going to, is not as much danger as people think he is. Wide receivers. We're talking about Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, our guy from the waivers last year, Taylor Gabriel. Every single week. <laughs> and then uh, Corderell Patterson hanging around. You also have rookie Riley Ridley. Yes. And so, you know, for real draft purposes, you could probably eliminate uh, Corderell Patterson. He's mostly there to run kicks. But in a pinch, we've seen him uh, fill in and uh, and also even play running back, weirdly enough, with the Patriots. Uh, so an extreme athlete and uh, uh, happy he's there. But probably somebody you don't need to worry about drafting. More of a name to know for uh, for later in the season, waiver wire injuries, that kind of thing. So I'm a little bit higher overall on the Bears' entire passing game. I already mentioned how I was higher on uh, Trubitsky than ADP. So right now, Allen Robinson is going 28 for wide receivers. Anthony Miller, wide receiver 51. I've got Robinson at 25, Miller at 43. So slightly ahead of ADP on both of those guys. Anthony Miller's biggest question is staying on the field. He had multiple injuries last season, one of which he played through the last yeah. half of the year. Yeah. He's a really tough guy uh, playing with like a separated shoulder that just kept popping yeah. out and they kept popping it back. It's in. So no one, so no one questions Anthony Miller's toughness. That that's, that's, that guy's a, that guy's a machine. So him being able to, uh, to put up numbers this year, if he can stay healthy, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. And, for wide receiver in the 40s, I mean, you're, you're throwing darts at the wall at that point anyway. I'll gladly take a shot on him, a young guy in a good, in a good offense, as opposed to some of these older guys like a Deshaun Jackson type who are going in the same area. It's completely fair. And so just I have, uh, I have Miller at 33. I, oh, excuse me. I have Robinson at 33, Miller at 57, and Taylor Gabriel at 69. And for me... I did have to ding uh, Robinson and Miller, both just for injury type of things. Robinson, we've seen basically be hurt for this, the entirety of his career. It's just, it's, it seems to be a constant issue with him. And then uh, I did flag Anthony Miller for some durability concerns. And then Taylor Gabriel is no picture of health either. So that's uh, part of baked into my three Cohen thing. I think he's going to end up having to catch a lot, a lot of passes because I'm not, 100% sold that either of the any of these three guys are going to be able to give you 16 games reliably. So they all kind of got dinged just a little bit. Uh, well, that goes mind. back to my guy. I mean, the slot receiver here, far and away, is Taylor Gabriel. No one really fighting with him for that job. Last year, he was a PPR monster all season long. And right now, Taylor Gabriel is going as wide receiver 84. Oh my God! I thought I was low on Taylor Gabriel. He's I'm free. High I've got I've oh, got Taylor Gabriel at fifty six. I'm, okay. I'm I'm high ahead of you. Yeah, but oh, I'm man. way ahead of ADP. Look, uh, this is both, a guy that absolutely. What are people doing in all leagues? What? Oh, wow. he, he is a guy that is consistently going to be able to give you bi week fill ins. He's going to give you those ten to fifteen point games on a weekly basis just from the PPR numbers alone. Now, if you're playing standard or you're playing half point, I could understand not being overly interested in it because he doesn't put up the touchdowns and he doesn't put up the huge yardage totals, but he gives you the volume in PPR. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people are overlooking here. Or maybe they just think he's an injury waiting to happen because that is part of it. He has been beat up a lot in his career because he's not exactly the biggest dude, but 87 is ridiculous people. People, if you're listening to this, you're going to own a lot of Taylor Gabriel this year if you're playing along with Steve and I's rankings. Because if you're playing in PPR, I, I the only other check down they have is Trey Burton, who we should really probably get into. But that's ridiculous, Steve. You've you've blown my yeah. mind, sir. You've blown my mind. That's that's Trey Burton is going currently at tight end twelve. I have Burton rated at tight end twelve, so I'm completely fine with that rank. Back end uh, tight end one. Again, durability issues is his biggest concern, and then the hands have not been great. Yeah, which was weird because it kind of came out of nowhere. 
he wasn't necessarily known as a guy who would have, you know, bad drop issues, but it definitely came up last year for sure. So hundred percent, something to, uh, to keep in mind as I, uh, wait for my internet connection to stop. <laughs> Sorry. As I trail uh, off and, and waffle, but yeah, bears defense. Is my yeah. The bears failed. defense, uh, Chuck Pagano is the new, uh, defensive coordinator with Vic Fangio taking the job over there in Denver. Of course, Pagano, the former Colts head coach. Before we pivot off that, I have Trey Burton at 14, incidentally, uh, just to close the loop on that. And then the Bears defense, I did have one thing, Steve, which is uh, people do this every year. You and I give this PSA every year. Don't just reach on the Bears defense because they were good last year. They're going to be good again, but don't do the thing that we've seen people do, usually most notably with like the Seahawks defense back when it was elite. Or There's always that guy or that lady, or that person, I should say, who reaches way early in your draft. Just because the Bears were elite, and I think you and I both have them as the number one defense, don't way overpay. There's no reason to. Uh, yes, I do have the Bears as the number one defense. So do I. I. I can't find the exact stat offhand, but the team that finished as the number one overall defense over the last decade has an average finish of somewhere around defense like 10 to 12 in fantasy the following season and case in point was last year with the Jaguars being far and away the number one pick and they finished I believe 14 last season if I'm remembering that correctly that is correct and then, they were 14. yeah in the last again in the last seven years the team that finished number one overall was being drafted outside of the top 10 and defense is going into the season so uh, so, always wait on defense until the last round, people. Yeah, just because the Bears are going to be good and everybody's super high on it does not mean, oh, I should overpay to try and win that every week. Do not do that. Uh, Steve mentioned it as well. They have to play the Chiefs at some point, and they have a great defense, and that's probably not even then. I don't really want to play the Bears defense against the Chiefs. That's not something I want to do. Neil, did you know that in 2018, the average fantasy football player invested $131 into their fantasy? In fact, nope. the fantasy sports and sports betting industry have officially generated more money than the sports leagues that drive them. Not only that, but last year, the average player spent 6.9 hours per week working on their fantasy roster. That's a, a full work day almost for most people. Wow. With all this time and money being consumed, it's time to start protecting your investments. Serious injury to a player on your team can not only mean your bragging rights are gone, but your wallet can take a heavy hit as well. Now with Rotoshurance, you can protect your fantasy football investments by purchasing a small one-time insurance coverage plan for one or multiple players on your team. So if a key player on your fantasy team gets injured, a la AJ Green or David Johnson from a couple years ago, or Odell Beckham from most of last year. Duh. Rotoshurance will pay your entire entry fee back to you. Injuries might ruin your player's season, but they don't have to ruin yours. Now exclusive to our listeners, you can get covered by Rotoshurance for 20% off. All you have to do is go to rotoshurance.com, and when you purchase a plan, enter the promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N. S-E-N-S-E to get 20% off your player coverage. Injuries can happen at any time, so don't delay. Head to rotoshurance.com and get covered today. Support the people who support us. Keep the nonsense free, guys. <laughs> Keep up the nonsense indeed. All right, so moving on to Detroit. Mentioned the, uh, the Lions quarterback is Matt Stafford. The only real off-season notes for them is they did change defensive personnel a little bit. They uh, they have Matt Patricia, of course, in 2018, and then they brought in Daryl Bevel, who was the uh, Seahawks offensive coordinator to be their new OC. So they no more Jim Bob Cooter, Neil. The Jim Bob Cooter era is, is over. <sighs> Sad goodbye to one of the best names in football. But Daryl Bevel, it'll be interesting to see what he brings that they run now uh matt stafford a guy who is i don't know he's always in one of those weird scenarios for me i feel like he's always like a mid-tier guy i wouldn't consider him a bad or a low-end qb by any stretch of the imagination but currently he's going adp 25 and i've got, i've got him at uh, 23 so i don't necessarily hate the 25 uh there's just qb is so deep that's the problem because I have him at 22 and it's not really a comment on Matt Stafford is bad. It's just that 
well, the league is kind of caught up to the Lions and their massive passing totals and everything else. And it, it does come down to, I think, some recency bias from last year where he was beat up, you know, again. It's been a while for him. He used to get beat up a lot. But last year he was playing with, like, how many injuries? He was just completely broken. And they had to keep rolling him out there. <laughs> but that's the issue, is you start you start actually ranking the quarterbacks out and you realize, oh, he's not bad. It's just there's 21 guys in my case that I think have a little bit more upside given kind of the lack of skill position players around him in certain spots. So now here's the interesting one running back. You've got carry on Johnson, second year player, and they signed CJ Anderson in the off season. So, I mean, they got rid of LeGarrette blunt. And this was the conversation I was having all last year. We, we just talked about earlier. They got rid of Theo Riddick last year. We were talking about, LeGarrette Blunt's going to steal the goal line touches, and Theo Riddick's going to steal the pass catches. And at best, best, even with running the ball, he's just going to get the between the tackles, between the 20s, and he's just going to rack up yardage, but the touchdowns won't be there and the receptions won't be there. So on Johnson will be a back-end RB2. And he was great. He was a top-end RB2 last season. Now you remove Theo Riddick from the equation and you've brought in CJ Anderson, who everybody seems to be scared of. But I, I'm, I mentioned this in the chat as you were talking about the fact that CJ Anderson across his career has been wildly mediocre <laughs> except for three games in the Rams offense. Uh... Those three games are the most recent so everybody wants to believe that C.J. Anderson is the second coming, and he is going to steal everything from Carrion Johnson. So, I mean, I personally have Carrion Johnson as RB12. I have him as the back end of RB1 territory, and I feel like he may even get bumped up a little bit more because when I did my initial ranks, it was before the theoretic cut. So I feel like he's just going to dominate this season. I feel like he has an extreme chance to be a top five running back. I legitimately believe he could be an elite level player, given the workload and opportunity in Detroit. Well, this is something I was going to talk about last year, which is interesting because I have him actually at RB 13. So I'm only one spot behind you and I've got him right up there. Top level, you know, kind of second running back. You know what I mean? It's he's, he's going to be excellent. I might have to move him up as well. Cause my rankings still, you know, to have theoretic, they're pre theoretic cut. And it's, so CJ Anderson, it's going to come up a little, but it, you get to off that. And it's, we're back to Zach Zenner territory. Uh, I mean, we're right back where we started with the, the hodgepodge guys, but there was a breakdown done last year of uh carry on Johnson tape by, uh, by football guys, I believe. And he actually comes away looking a lot like Alvin Kamara. So I'm right there with you. In terms of favorable offense, he's going to be the guy draft with confidence. The only thing that I think might sideline him is the same thing that we worry about with everybody who plays that position, which is just him getting hurt. That's really it. I mean, it sounds like you and I are very much kind of on the same page here. So you and I are going to own a lot of Carrion Johnson, I think, this year. Yeah, Carrion Johnson's going RB15 and ADP, 32 overall, and I've got him at 24, 12. So I'm I'm just ahead of ADP at this point, and like I said, I, I may bump him a little bit. So, uh, what do you take on? Uh, what's your take on CJ Anderson now that he's the only guy left? He'll get moved up in my rankings a little bit because he'll take on the entirety of that Legarrette Blunt role that they always have. But he's and he's probably better than Legarrette Blunt, obviously at least on a yards per carry type of thing. But I'm not. Again, I'm also not one of those people that's out here. Clearly from my rankings, CJ Anderson's a nice to have. He's he's not really something I think they're trying to showcase. Would you consider him a handcuff after what happened last season? I actually would consider him a handcuff. It'd be it'd be a little bit of an expensive handcuff. Uh uh, Well, you think that I well, that's the thing. But I have him right now at RB 60 and I'm going to have to move him up given the Theo Riddick cut. So So what's uh, 80? I also thought. I also thought like, oh, CJ Anderson, I've got him at RB fifty seven. Okay, given so you all are, the hype okay. and love for uh for Anderson and now the cutting of Riddick, everybody's gotta be a little higher than us, right? No, ADP is sixty one. 
Okay, so there so, you go. There you go. We're, so there you we're go. right on. We're the right on it. CJ yeah. Anderson. Okay, and we're not even that far off, really. The, the actual ADP of Carryon Johnson. So to be honest right. with you, it sounds like you and I and very a lot of people more or less see the Lions backfield that way. One of the one of the few remaining handcuffs. So then we got my guy from NIU, Kenny Galladay, the breakout star from last season and the wide receiving core. He's currently going, Neil, 41 overall, wide receiver 17. The hype train is a chugging (laughs) on Kenny Galladay. I've got him at wide receiver 22, and I love Kenny Galladay. (laughs) So (laughs) five spots lower than ADP. Uh, So maybe I don't love him that much. Sorry, Kenny. I guess I've moved on. Uh, I found bigger and better things, apparently. Named Carry on Johnson, I guess. So uh, I didn't realize our relationship was over, but yeah, no oh, kidding. I mean, it's, Change it's the as watch. much news to me as it is to you. So, I mean. What was the ADP number again? Did you say 17? Yeah, wide receiver 17. Okay, well, I haven't been 18, so I'm, I'm, I clearly hate him. And I thought Don't I was. You stole incredible. my boyfriend, you jerk. I thought oh. I was incredibly high. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. But yeah, I'm he's kind of the one thing that I'm excited about, uh, not named Carry on Johnson that they really have for this year. T, you know, we'll get into tight end. They have something for the future, maybe. But that's that's my ranking for Galladay, and I don't feel you and I see this eye to eye. I mean the man can just play football. He's 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 fantastic. So in that offense with those kind of opportunities, yeah, sign me up. Marvin Jones has been a, a top guy for them for a few years. He's currently going at wide receiver 38. I've got Marvin. Why don't you find yours? Because I have it right here. This is pre, this is obviously a pre update. Um, but I actually have Marvin Jones at 31. Okay. And then, uh, you know, he's dealing with the injury. So does that play into the- it? He will probably be coming down here. Uh, uh, go, unless he does something, spectacular in the preseason and or has an amazing kind of thing I, I i he's probably coming down in my rankings i'm he's dealing with another injury and i was not actually completely sold when i did the rankings i was a lot more confident that he was fully healed from last year and i'm becoming a lot less confident uh as we go through camp here he's he's a guy that i'm looking to kind of move down my rankings yeah all right i finally got it marvin jones wide receiver th- for me so say that again you, uh, 34 34? 34. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a little down on Marvin Jones from where I've had him in the past. I'm a little ahead of uh, where ADP currently has him. The guy who is their big play guy, really. Um, I feel like people are high on Kenny Galladay because he basically takes over that Golden Tate role. But when Marvin Jones is on the field, he's the long shot. He's the guy who runs down the field with his hand up. And if uh, if they're going to let Stafford loose... And they're going to let him air it out. You know, Marvin Jones is going to be a guy who's reliably, you know, at worst, a wide receiver three. Sure, so, that's what I'm saying. I, 38, I feel, is low. Because even <clears throat> upon looking at this, there's no way I'm going to be able to drop. There's no way I would even feel confident dropping him seven spots. So he's going to come down a bit, but he's not coming down to 38. I think the hate has gone a little bit too far. Because he's the guy who takes the top off the defense, uh, to your point. And the whole offense runs a lot more effectively when he is on the field. So there, he's going to get opportunities given just how they function typically. How about, uh, let's see, Danny Amendola or another NIU grad, Tommy Lee Lewis? Either of those guys catching your interest? A lot of NIU uh, love on this team. Yeah, no kidding. Danny Amendola is the one I have ranked highest, uh, but that's not saying I like Danny Amendola really. I have him at wide receiver 74. So I'm not particularly interested in anything that isn't the two guys we've already kind of gone through. The rest of it to me is just kind of meh. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, the rookie tight end, he's going 13 in ADP. Neil, what do we always say about rookie tight ends? Uh, it takes at least a year to learn how to play a tight end in the NFL. And that's why I've got him 24. Don't yeah. buy the hype. Don't buy the hype. hype. Don't, Don't buy the buy hype. The hype. <laughs> just because he came from the factory. It's the sa- It's really the same conversation we had about Noah Fant when we broke down the Broncos, his former college teammates. Really that conversation uh, again. Jesse James the conversation anything? for you. Let's, let's go back one year and look at what Eric Ebron did last season with <laughs> Andrew Luck in the Colts off. Now let's look at his entire career in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> 
and ask yourself <laughs> which one of these can produce tight end numbers and which one cannot. Because it's uh, the same guy doing very the much same is. thing. And yet somehow way better numbers in a different offense. They just don't. Detroit just does not put up tight end numbers. They don't. It's not how that runs, really. They, they, they usually have a slot guy. You know what I mean? They usually have that's they they're going to change a little bit with Bevel, maybe. But they they used to run three wide all the time and didn't really throw it to tight end that much. Yeah, so I'm not buying that at all. And then the Lions defense, uh, I've got them rated as the 15th rated defense. Look, if you want to talk about a, a, a unit that could actually make a step, make an improvement, second year with Patricia, you know, they learned the whole system last season. Now they've implemented it. They were better last year. They added Snacks Harrison last season. Season changing. Season changing yeah. for that defense. Completely turned that defense around. That one move gave them a run defense. It, it was remarkable to see how one guy could fix an entire locker room. And, I mean, their their defensive line as a whole, uh, they were able to add uh, Trey Flowers. I mean, they went through, they made some adjustments. Just, they're going to be so good on the line. The corners are all right. The linebackers are okay. We just talked about the Bears and how taking the number one defense, overpaying for them, can be a risk. Uh, and it doesn't really pay off. And most most times, the team that finishes the number one fantasy defense comes from outside of the top ten I think that the Lions are a real candidate for that. The Lions are a good one for streaming is also something I was noticing. They they have some, uh, well, they weren't good last year, so they don't really have the hardest schedule. So they've got a couple games uh, that I think that if they're just kind of out there in your league, um, probably a good one to ride early and see if you can pick a winner, and then maybe you don't have to stream defenses anymore. Uh, I... TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James, I had like 27 and 32, by the way, just to close the loop on that. Do not... You don't want any of that, and uh, I hate to do this, Steve, but I think we have to talk about the Packers. Cramming in your cram hole, LaFleur. <laughs> Matt LaFleur, new head coach, coming over the Titans offensive coordinator. He yes, that, that Matt LaFleur. Yeah. The man who, uh, who forgot that Derrick Henry existed for half a season. You're welcome, fantasy owners. The man. The myth. Yeah. The legend from the man and then who he brought, brought in his offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, the Jags former OC. Whoa, what a job he did down there. So if you wanted if you wanted some more enthusiasm, put some more gasoline on this fire. Oh boy. Uh I feel bad for all the running backs. This is not gonna this is not gonna get this is not gonna go well. <laughs> this is gonna get ugly really quickly. So their quarterback, some guy named Larry. Oh, sorry, Aaron. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, it's not Favre anymore? Oh, uh, okay. See if this new guy can do something. I guess so. Uh, Uh, I've got him as QB7, which is significantly lower than I normally would. And that's mostly the... uh, I'm scared of the floor. I just can't (laughs) trust the guy. It's funny. I have him at at six. And I I was going to put... I was actually going to drop him below Breeze to seven. But I was like, no, no, you got to... You gotta, you gotta hedge it out. And then I'm like, wait a second, this is the conversation I'm having in my head. Like, this is bizarre, but it's the same idea. I don't trust it. I don't trust yeah, anything about he's this. He's going four it's, in ADP. It's so. scary. It's no, scary no. to me. I'm yeah. not. I'm never gonna own him this year. It's scary. It's there's too much wonky. We got to talk about running back though. That's the real news. So Aaron Jones currently going RB sixteen. The hype is insane on Jones right now. Uh, there was a blurb that seems to have kind of been thrown away at this point when they, they asked all the weight. <laughs> Matt LaFleur about what he wanted to do with the running backs this season. He said he really likes Jamal Williams and he feels like he wants to preserve Jones and use it more of a committee. Yeah. <laughs> then, From the uh, man who brought you, Derrick Henry doesn't have the whole job. Yeah. Derrick Henry yeah. and Dion uh-huh. Lewis. Yeah. I've heard this. This guy, yeah. I remember this from last year, believe me. I was cursing his name for half a season. So I have Aaron Jones at RB23. Uh, he's got I the I'm at 25. <laughs> and he, he's a great pass catcher. They've been putting him out on a lot of routes. If he gets more opportunity, 
Sure, he could put up numbers. There's no doubt about that. But RB16, I feel like there's way too much risk for me to pay that. Once again, I will not own Aaron Jones in any league this season. No, I have him at 25. I'm I'm terrified of this. And I, he's the better player. You and I have been saying it for two years, it feels like, that Jamal Williams is the inferior player to Aaron Jones. And yet, somehow, we just keep having this conversation forever. It, it's one of the weird yeah, treadmills. Jamal that Williams right on. now is going at 62. Which is ridiculous, too, because I'm at 46. I've got him at 51. So I'm a, I'm a little bit higher than ADP, but not as high as you on Williams. Just because, again, I feel like it's built in that Williams is going to have some role. I, I mean, like, ADP has Jamal Williams going in the same area as CJ Anderson. Like, he's just the throwaway handcuff. And I feel like he's going to be more involved than that. So he's certainly a guy that when you've hit that... uh when you've fallen off the RB cliff in your draft, Jamal Williams, a guy that I'm willing to roll the dice on because, Hey, who knows, uh, especially with Aaron Jones injury history, Jamal Williams could have a prominent role at some point this season. I think Jamal Williams is in line for borderline half a job, which is why I have him ranked a little bit higher than you. That's the, that's the, that's where you could end up with it pretty quickly. If, Cause it's what we've seen him do before. Super frustrating. We will move past Devontae Adams because he's someone we talked about in our initial sh- our initial show. You can go back and listen to that. He's pretty good. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, we both have him as a uh, a top five wide receiver, top ten overall guy. So uh, MVS is the big question mark. Do you want Marquez Valdez Scantling or do you want Geronimo Allison? Who's the number two? I think it's MVS. Uh, ADP. They are basically sitting right on top of each other right now. And uh, I'd like to get your take on it. That's not surprising that they'd be sitting right next to each other in ADP because it's pretty hard to uh, to kind of figure out what you're going to do. I have Scantling rated higher, but I have him rated as wide receiver 64. So and then I have him and I have Geronimo Allison at 76. So and then Equinemius St. Brown is the dark horse at 101. So that's that's kind of where I'm at at it. So I have a feeling that I I have I have uh, EQ. As I call him, Equinemius, my guy. Uh, so I've got him at a hundred. ADP is one hundred and seven. So we're all in the same general. Sure, I think we're we're good there. That he's the fourth option. Geronimo Allison's going wide receiver forty nine, and MVS is going forty five. I've got MVS at forty eight. I feel like that's a good range for him. I feel like he hasn't really proven anything to me yet. And again, the Matt Lafleur offense scares me. It's the first year of a new offense too, which is always a bumpy ride whenever you get into that situation. And then I have Geronimo Allison with you down there at 75. So there's yeah. a lot of Geronimo Allison hype going on right now. Yeah. And I don't understand I'm it. I'm not understanding it from my side. He wasn't even as good as, as uh, MVS consistently. He showed flashes, but from training camp, we've gotten reports that he, the MVS is the clear number two. Like it's yeah. not close. It's, and I'm not really a huge MVS guy. Cause I don't think he has, good enough hands frankly he's super athletic i'm not going to argue about that but he's not exactly the best at catching the football which is what i need him to do it's one thing to be able to beat every corner in the world but you got to catch the football that's kind of my issue with him but yeah i don't understand the geronimo allison uh hype train that appears to have just rocketed off off the tracks and into the sky that's crazy to me neil it took so long it it took the longest amount of time possible but people are on board jimmy graham sucks they're yes. finally yeah. on board. Finally. Oh, finally. man. Oh, that argument. Jimmy Graham, tight end 19, ADP is 18. They're still uh, too high, but I'll uh, take it. It's close uh, enough. So much progress. Oh, so much. People are learning. Oh, man. That's awesome. That is that is fantastic. I have Jimmy Graham as tight end 18. So I am I am right on board with you. That is, that yeah, not something and you want. Speaking of suck, the Packers defense. Yep. Moving on. Exactly. Minnesota. They switched offensive coordinators at the end of last season. And after they switched offensive coordinators, we saw a change in not only Kirk uh, Cousins play, but also the play from some of the wide receivers, specifically Adam Thielen. So first, Kirk Cousins, where do you have him rated? He's currently going at QB 19. Yeah, and I get why, because they weren't exactly the same offense uh, when they kind of transitioned over. So that was... That was a bit of an issue. Go ahead with your ranking here because I'm trying to get this to actually load. I've got him at 21. 
So I'm right in the same spot. Uh, we're a little short on time, so I'm going to just I mean, jump back in when <clears throat> cousins, but I feel like you're going to be in the same range. Uh, Dalvin Cook is kind of a lightning rod. We talked about him before. He's a guy that we're both really high on. I've got him at 11. Current ADP is 10. I know you're right around that I'm same I'm right range. in that neighborhood. I have Kirk Cousins. And we talked rated. about him in the first week. I have Cousins well. rated at 15, by the way. So okay, I'm a little, so you're a little bit higher than everybody. A little bit higher than everybody. Uh, mostly because the offense didn't go complete train wreck. It mostly just train wrecked Thielen. So I think giving them a proper install period. And let's just get to that then. Because, yeah, uh, you know, there's the, nothing else the you want the running back. backs are nothing really to talk nothing about. You want. It's Dalvin Cook. Uh, He's we good. We can also man. skip past. Uh, tight end in my opinion because kyle rudolph is just ugh. yeah no kyle rudolph is what it is the conversation i don't is... want him no and then uh the defense is an interesting one that i'll get to but the the wide receivers adam thielen is currently going wide receiver 12 Diggs going wide receiver 14 in my own ranks i have adam thielen at 17 and Diggs at 13 so i feel like the public right now kind of has it reversed it's not that I hate what Thielen has done, but again, at the end of last season there, he really kind of fell off a cliff. That's See, that's the thing. So I have Diggs actually at wide receiver 11, and I have Thielen at 14. And that I, so I also have Diggs ahead of Thielen for this year because we saw how that actually, that dynamic changed. Diggs got way more involved in the offense, and Thielen's role saw a reduction. And it's a shame because I'm a big Adam Thielen guy. He was way high in my rankings last year. He was one of the calls I actually got right. And uh, he kind of rode you into the sun for a while there, but then probably kneecapped you in the playoffs. But I think under the new offense, it's kind of Diggs is the guy you want. He's where he's the one that they want to to really run that offense through. And I think Thielen's still going to have a really nice role, but he's not going to be the lead dog anymore. He's not going to be the the main guy. And I feel like the public is kind of the public clearly sees that the other way. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's the note I talked about before. The first 13 games of the season with John DiFilippo, uh, who is now the offensive coordinator with the Jaguars, by the way, after he got fired last season. Uh, DiFilippo as OC, Eric uh, Thielen had 103 catches for nine touchdowns in those 13 games. And remember, he had the nine consecutive games with 100 yards. And then in the last three games of the season, he had just 10 catches and no scores when they switched offensive uh, coordinators. When the offense changed, his role changed. So does that carry over to this season? I mean, that's a big question mark that I'm not willing to invest in the way that I would have to right now. No, that's why I'm saying you and I see this the same way. I'd rather invest in digs then. So if we have to put up a big investment to get it, which is probably worth it, in my opinion, uh, I would rather invest in digs because I feel much more comfortable. Absolutely. That right now. That's yep. what I, so that's, that's the one I want. If you're if you're drafting Vikings receivers, I say go Diggs this year and drop Thielen. So, and then Vikings defense, where do you stand on them? So Vikings defense actually have rated uh, pretty high. Did you have them as a regression candidate? Is that yes, I do. Uh, okay, they are. Well, let's uh, let's, let's dig into that. Defense then. four, and uh, just because of their schedule, because of some of the guys they've lost through free agency and. I have them rated at defense 20. And again, it's because they are, they're dealing with so many different issues. And when you're talking about defenses, the projections are are basically based off projected yards and points. So I'm just trying to see like turnovers. I'm trying to see how much yards they're going to give up, how many points they're going to give up. And from everything that I've calculated, there are more teams out there like the lions who are teams that are higher up that I'd rather take a shot on than a team like the Vikings that I know I'm going to have to pay up for that I feel like is just going to be more headache than anything else. That's interesting because I'm not as high as the public. I have them at six, but I don't have them down at 20. That's a that's a shot call, my friend. I love it. That is that is Yeah, beautiful. I think they're, they're one of those teams that I feel like is going to be in the top 10 drafted and will be widely available on waivers. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I could totally see that scenario happening, by the way, because their schedule is not easy. Again, they have a uh, they have a pretty difficult schedule once again. Yep. And the division just keeps getting better while they just stay the same. Yeah, right, it really right, is right. kind of the same team. <laughs> it's the same stuff. The Matthew McConaughey of teams, Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> uh, 
But next week we've got a uh, sure week like two that. of uh, Hard Knocks. We've got the AFC North, the Bake Show, finally Cleveland, the uh, hype. Oh, if you think oh, this show man. was was long and meandering, the whole Cleveland part is going to be so just like a love letter. America's team, <laughs> Super Bowl or bust. All right, Neil. Well, until next week, everybody, just keep up the nuns. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.